Hello everyone and welcome back inside a very happy Shark Tank after Sales Super Sunday. A 41-13 win over the London Irish at the AJ Bell, cementing the Sharks place in the top four. You may notice that Lewis isn't with us today. My name is Alex, welcome back inside the Shark Tank and I'm very happy to say I'm joined by James. James, how are you? I'm good mate, I thought you were going to intro with you're back inside a very happy Shark Tank because Lewis isn't here. <laughs> we can say what we like, but unfortunately he does do the editing, so he's going to hear this when he listens back. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I've all thought this through. To be fair, it's not anything I've all said before. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yes, yeah, so just us two today, and um, we are talking about sales win over the Irish on Sunday. And to kick us off, um, I thought we'd start with some three-word reviews. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for sending these in, as always. Um, I picked out a few, but there were um, a hell of a lot to go through, all of which are very valid. Um, so, Martin Whiteley, massive step up. Michael Graham, Derity, the missing cog. And we'll give him uh, the extra word there because it's in there. Lord Pike, defence scores points. Dazzity, graduates shine through. Richard Liddy, Derity, Harper, kneeled. Len, Reed has gas. Johnny Dodd, back row balance. Richard Higgs, RDP, or AJ, and Nicholas Waite, selections, spot on. So, James, um, I mean, first of all, what was your, you know, we'll go into these three-word reviews uh, in a couple of minutes, but what was your reaction to sales win on Sunday? Well, I thought it should have been, it was comfortable on the scoreboard in the end, um, but I think it should have been comfortable on the scoreboard at half-time. So, uh, as always, Sale just given enough to the opposition to mean that we can't completely relax um, as, as fans, uh, which keeps it interesting. But my overall impression was almost the exact opposite of the week before, where, you know, I couldn't think of a single player pretty much who got six out of ten. Everyone else was kind of like, you know, five, four, three out of ten. Uh, this time, I can't think of anybody below, below six out of ten. Um, I really can't. I thought it was a really good team performance. I thought the selection paid off. There was a few question marks before the game from some of the follow- our followers on Twitter, understandably so, but there were less changes in total, less less rotation. Um, so that's my overall overall view of it. Was there any of our three-word reviews that took your fancy, Alex, as a kind of a good overview of the game? Well, I think one of the, the points to kind of jump off on is that selection point. And, and as we've had selections spot on, and actually Richard Lilly as well, Doherty Harper nailed. Um, the the Connor Doherty call at 12 is the, the obvious one to start with. But there are a few selection calls in there as well. You know, Rob Dupria at 10. Um, we saw that back row with Jean-Luc Dupria in that eight position. Uh, Cam Neal coming back into the side. You know, we talked about a few of these last week. Um, and I think when we saw that, Doherty was in at 12 and we had Reed on the wing. We were a bit nervous and unsure. And, you know, as you said, I think uh, last week, Doherty, we don't think has ever played 12 at age grade. So, you know, let's start there. Did Alex Sanderson get it right uh, is the question. And obviously it's been proved right by the result. But I think it was a really, really brave call to pick some of those players. And actually they ended up showing, you know, repaying that faith that that Axe showed in them, didn't they? Yeah, and I thought Doherty went really well at 12. Um, you know, with, with with Rob on the inside, you know, I'm sure, you know, you, you're sort of half thinking about Rob's defence, which was solid when required. Um, so I was a bit worried about um, Doherty. He didn't have to do much defending in the first half, which I think really helped. And I thought the difference between 
Ollie Lawrence, when he played at 12 in the first Six Nations game, and the way that we brought Doherty into the game at 12 was a really big and significant difference. We had him on the ball straight away. You know, we basically all of our calls at the beginning involved Doherty, whether he was throwing it in behind or he was just carrying into contact. Um, and it paid off because he didn't make any mistakes and you could see his confidence grow. He was less prominent in the second half. Um, but in the first half, he did everything, executed everything excellently. And I think what pleased me the most about him, because is, is A, his distribution was good. I think he, he missed out on one opportunity in the second half where we were in our own 22 and we were sort of passing it along. And, and, and really, the two best options were either kick or pass. Now, that was a big, long pass off your left hand. Yeah, we're not all Jean-Luc Dupree, right? Um, but like, but but he took it into contact, got turned over, and and that was a dangerous moment of. Can't think of anything else he did wrong. And what was so surprising is for somebody who's young and who hasn't played much at twelve, if at all, was his leg speed in contact. He really took a lot of speed into contact. When he decided he was carrying, he was carrying, and he kept his legs pumping in contact, and that got him over the game line, which showed more power than I think we thought he had. Uh, at least at this stage of his career. So I think that Sanderson might have found Doherty's position here because he's not got express pace that you would associate with most 13s. 13 is a very important defensive channel and just maybe that's too much of an ask for such a young player to be locking down that 13 channel. We saw that when he last played. But at 12, I thought he, he played really well. He executed all the stuff that we've been asking Sam Hill to do, but better. Um, I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, his, his first involvement in the game is that pass out of the back to Rob Dupree, who then puts Hammersley in. And, you know, it's, as you say, a massive confidence booster at that point for him to kind of see, you know, his his the threat of him holding the defence and then pulling it back, you know, it's just really, as you say, really well executed. And then he does it again about five, ten minutes later, when Rob Dupree puts the cross kick in for the then disallowed by McGuigan uh, not try. Um, and, and then, as you say, yeah, he comes into the game and he offers that carrying threat. And he just kept the defence really honest. And it was, you know, that created, then created the space out wide for, for the outside backs. But I was massively impressed with him. I was, you know, I was looking at the stats as well this morning and it was basically flawless. You know, he was seven out of eight on tackles, didn't make any errors, didn't give up. He gave away that one penalty, which was the getting turned over, as you say. Um, but, you know, he made 32 metres, I think it was. It, just a superb performance at 12. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because Luke James, when he first kind of shone in this team, came in at 12. And maybe, you know, there's a little bit of protection there. As you say, you're not getting exposed in that 13 defensive channel. I mean, we should obviously, obviously say that he was up against an Irish team. He didn't offer a lot. So it was almost the perfect platform. But, you know, from where he was... You know, last season when he probably didn't look quite ready to make the step up, to then that Bath game where there was a bit of a horror first half, and then you know to, to put in that performance now, massive confidence boost. And as you say, if he is a twelve, that offers us a massive variety to what we have in Rohan and potentially Manu when we play them. Um, so it's really exciting, and for him to be an academy graduate as well is just just even better. Um, and, you know, that kind of leads me on to the attack in general, which is, you know, let's not, um, let's not dismiss this. We got a bonus point and scored 41 points, which has been, you know, un- quite literally unheard of this season. Um, so what were your thoughts on that attack? And, you know, is that a Rob Dupree? Is that a Irish being poor? 
you know, what what do you think were the reasons that that we managed to score a bonus point for him the second time this season uh, from our attack? Well, it'll be all of those things, I think. Uh, I think it's it's having that um, dirty distribution. He, he, he stood in at first receiver a few times and we've pissed about with Hamsley sometimes going in at first receiver. And we've seen a million times, Hamsley just doesn't have the distribution skills. He's not confident in distributing um, unless he's way behind the gain line. Now, Hamsley had a good, a very good game, but we didn't use him as a distributor, which was much to our benefit. Dirty, you said he kept the defence honest because he was able to flick it in behind really effectively. But also he had that acceleration into contact that it meant they had to, to watch out. So I think that really, really helped. I think Rob, more generally, he's got a broader range of passing. So he's able to put width on the ball in a much quicker way. Don't forget, it's not just like, the, you know, McGinty creates tries. It's not, creativity is a dangerous term in rugby. I, I think that what Rob does, he stands flat, but is able to deliver flat passes very quickly through the air in a way that McGinty doesn't. Uh, McGinty's got quite a good a delay pass on him and he, he can take the ball to the line so he, he he offloads really nicely as well because he can do that show and go as we've discussed. Rob can put um, width on it. you know, And I think the difference between the width this time and the width last week, because we're trying to play with some width last week, but the ball was slower through the air. Um, this week we were a little bit better early doors just taking the ball up. Um, so keeping the defences a bit more narrow. I still think there was a bit too much franticness in the first half when we started to get frustrated, we hadn't scored, and we did go to out, out wide a bit too quickly and didn't earn the right to, but it's coming. And credit as well to Paul Deacon, because I thought there was just a lot more structure to the attack. Hammersley try, I mean, that's the first kind of phase play, sorry, that first phase play uh, execution of a, of a try that I can think of for quite some time. Um, so that's a training ground move, um, and it's well executed. Um, so I, I was really, really pleased with that. Irish didn't turn up, but what happened was they got absolutely mullered up front. I mean, I, I've not seen a a mullering up front that significant since the first 20 minutes against Northampton last week. <laughs> you know, we, we really completely dominant. And you're right, it did give an easy ride to the Clerks, the Rob Dupreas, the Doherty's, the pulling the James, Sam James came in into the game in the second half and was phenomenal uh, once the game's already won. And hopefully that's the start, start thing. So, no, I think that, that that was the key. And just to sort of think about that forwards dominance, um, there was a, a fantastic performance, I thought, for Jean-Luc uh, Dupreas, um, Alex. I mean, what did, you, what, what did you think to his performance? It was possibly his best performance since um, his, that period when he was on loan. I think you know because he was when he was on loan, then he was absolutely dominating other teams, and that's what he did on on Sunday. And I mean, we can talk about the pass off the left hand, which was just insane. <laughs> it's like he's clearly been taking some lessons off Faf because that's the only other person I've seen throw that kind of pass at that. It's like Charlie Hodgson. <laughs> I, who you know, or Richard Wigglesworth, future you know, sales chart skills coach. Um, <laughs> that's not that's not confirmed, listeners. That's uh, that's me with some wild speculation. But yeah, I thought he was just he didn't make the silly mistakes that have characterised his game for the last few weeks. I think you know he wasn't going in and hitting people when they were upright. He was dominating in the carry he was dominating in the tackle you know he was he won that turnover with a rip on on our line and i just think you know as uh 
Johnny Dodson in our three-word reviews back row balance, and you've been making the points for week with him on his own, given that kind of number eight role with the freedom to to roam and play, but then having Ross and Neil as those hard game line carriers. It just gives him a bit more sort of space to stand out a bit wider and get involved in those, you know, more of the 12 channel than the 10 and the close to the rook, which I think obviously opens up gaps, which he can then, you know, exploit. And he was, yeah, it was, it was a superb performance. Um, I think Sanderson spoke after the game about sort of coaching him to, to use his energy well and, and hit the right things and not try and just smoke everything. Um, and I think he did do that on Sunday. And an Irish, he was part of it, as you say, a pack that completely dominated the front. You know, when you've got him in the back row with Neil and Ross doing what they do and putting in a seven and a half out of ten performance every week, as you've said. And then Diago in the second row just being incredible at rugby. Um, it was, you know, the whole pack was superb. But I agree. I think with a flat, you know, a, a dry track on, on a nice day, it's his time to shine, and it shows that he has got. You know, it, and, he, and that's sort of a, a, easily a top four performance from him as an individual, I think. And if we can get that out of him week on week on week, rather than have those inconsistencies and, and those errors that sort of have characterised his game up until this point, then you know he's he's going to terrify teams, isn't he? I mean, you wouldn't want to play against him when he's in this kind of form because. He will just, he'll bounce anyone, you know, anyone can try and tackle him. And if you get it even slightly wrong, you're going backwards and the momentum's with us and it gets us over that game line, which then allows the backs to play, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. And and then just talking about the backs playing, I mean, the, you know, it was some really good play and we scored a, a lot of tries. What was the pick of the bunch for you? So I was going to tweet this before, but then I thought I'd been a bit too active on Twitter today because I've already done the stats thing. Um, the Byron McGuigan try where now take you back to that game where we beat Gloucester by 57-10 or whatever it was. Fafty Clerk executes that kick over the top to Byron McGuigan for our, I think it's our second try. And I, It's not the, you know, it's a bit of a lucky bounce to get it eventually, but if you go and watch the video that um, the Sale Twitter account put out, you can see Faf just see it's on. Now he's got the penalty advantage. Look at Byron, point and say, right, this is going over. You start chasing it. And he just it, he executes it brilliantly. He gets it. And, you know, the bounce of the rugby ball goes the way of Sale in that occasion when it didn't on, for example, Byron's dislodge try. So that one was, was the pick of the bunch for me. Just for the, the intelligence of Faf in that moment, I think it showed that, their axis, Faf and McGuigan, you know, they scored, McGuigan scored that try against Exeter um, in the first few minutes uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think when they're in tune and in sync, they can, the two of them alone can create some really dangerous rugby. Um, and so that one was superb, just and purely for that moment where you see Faf knows it's on and communicates it and it comes off brilliantly. Um, but there are a lot to choose from and, you know, many others that, uh, as you say, you know, watch getting backs play going was was superb you know the, the final McGuigan try um the first try with Hammersley uh, what was your pick of the bunch it's got to be one of the disallowed tries <laughs> uh which doesn't really answer the question but I thought you know the the try right at the end of the first half got pulled back quite rightly for a forward pass didn't it um and it was it was forward it's always frustrating when you go that far back I think um 
But I thought that was just, just brilliant rugby. And uh, you just felt that that was the appropriate scoreline to be going in on. So, you know, when we didn't, I have to say, you know, part of the back of my mind was thinking, and I think I messaged on the group, really important we get the first score. Um, and we didn't. And actually, the, the, the momentum shift in the in the game was significant. And actually, that's where, you know, we had a, uh, a little, little bit of luck after that, actually. A few, we had a couple of bounces of the ball, you know, Reed's try, McGuigan, obviously, interception. You know, it comes from putting pressure on and the, and on the opposition chasing the game. Uh, if, if Irish were in better form and executed well, then I think they could have got themselves back into that game and put the pressure back onto us because we hadn't scored enough points in the first half. So we were lucky we were playing against re- really the poorest team when, like, in the poorest uh, team performance we've seen against us so far this year. It was pretty awful from Irish. So I, I thought that was good. And um, obviously with Reed, it was I thought it was quite significant for him to get his try because I thought he had a he had a busy game again, but he wasn't trying too hard like he was last week. You know, he was brilliant in the first 25 minutes against Saints, but he made loads of mistakes, gave away penalties. Obviously, he was Simbind again this time, so that's something he's going to have to look at. Kind of that, you know, he's going to have to get savvy with the way he plays, um, and he's going to have to show start showing some rugby intelligence with when he kicks, when he runs. He had the, you know, this time it all worked out well for him. We weren't fielding many kicks in the in the backfield because we had all the possession. But there are parts of his game that weren't tested. But let's be honest, what was tested this time was him coming off the blind side wing at pace and it completely fundamentally changed our attack. It reminded me of um, the way that Exeter use O'Flaherty uh, off the blind side wing. And now O'Flaherty, he, he's really nice. He, he carries the ball in both hands. Reed doesn't do that. So if I was him, I would be looking at videos of O'Flaherty. Because O'Flaherty's not like some sort of like brilliant, you know, ball playing, rugby player, but he carries the ball in two hands. He often runs a little bit sideways and then sort of side steps off. But what he does is he just keeps them completely honest all of the time. I think Reed could do a job like that for us. Um, and then, you know, to see him hand off Loda, I thought was quite significant because, you know, Loda's been mentioned in a few things in in the past about potentially being a target for Steve Diamond at the sale and is is, is seen as a shining light. And I, th- I think he's a really good young player. But, you know, Reed, the way he had that awareness to reach behind him and hand him off, um, that was that was impressive. So hopefully he can build in confidence and uh, score more tries because he's got he has got he has he, he broke the line a couple of times and his pace. You know, there's not many in the Premiership quicker than him. Yeah, absolutely. And that first try, actually, he's running from the blind side again, isn't he? Um, and that holds the the outside defender, which creates the gap for Hammersley to go through. So even from that first kind of moment, you're thinking, well, um, you know, th- this is a massively different threat to anything we've been able to pull out this season. And I agree. I thought, you know, the way he finished his try was, was superb because there was still a bit to do, you know. There's, you had to put the step on and, as you say, be able to get away from Loder, who was no slouch. And actually, you know, it's interesting that you've got Loder and Hassel Collins who've been – two of the most exciting wingers in the league this season. And Reed and McGuigan outplayed them both on the day, um, which kind of brings me on to the next point, which we, we, we you touched on there, which is um, kind of jumping off a three-word review from Lord Pike, defence scores points. And actually, in that first, as you say, in that first 20 minutes, it did feel like that Northampton game again. And we managed to get a couple of tries, which we didn't against Northampton. 
Um, but then for the rest of the game, largely it was reliant on you know that defensive pressure creating errors and then us capitalising from that. So Reed's try comes from that and then Byron McGuigan with an intercept just as we were bemoaning the lack of intercept tries this season. Um, so, you know, how important is is that as a weapon? And, and is that, you know, something that you think we should continue to rely on? Or is it something that we still need to focus on the attack and actually it only works when you're already, you know, 21 points clear like it did on, uh, like it did on Sunday? I think it's absolutely a thing that we still need to focus on. A, when we don't get as much possession as we've had in the last two games, it keeps us within shouting distance. And we still have X-Factor players who can score from nothing. Okay, it might not happen or whatever. That's why we've managed under, uh, under Diamond and then through Sanderson as well to get losing bonus points in, in all but one of our losses this year. Um, and so that is important when you accumulate losing bonuses when you are on the, on the wrong end. It's always going to happen. You're always going to have a bad bad game. You know, you should, and defence can enable you to stay in it and get something out of it. So that's really important. But I think where it's really effective and, and, and potentially transformational in terms of winning premierships is if we can execute and score points, um, then, you know, it puts the pressure on the other. We said this last week. Say, look, you accumulate points. Um, if we hadn't scored those tries this time against Irish, we would have been exactly the same place against, that we were against Northampton. We weren't t- kicking at goal because as soon as Rob Dupree missed one, that was it then. Ross wasn't going to be pissing about. We were going for tries. Um, so I think we accumulate points and, and make them play uh, because they've got to execute really, really well to score tries against Sale. <clears throat> so it brings errors. And you've got Reed, McGuigan picking off intercepts, picking off balls off floor. You know, you've got people like Declerc chipping in behind the back when you've got everyone's retreating uh, or not in there in, in a position where they're, they're able to cover that space. And, and get to the stop the bounce of the ball, um, and uh, the other thing is that people give away penalties, uh, and that gives you field position back, which puts more pressure on, or enables us to do what McGinty did, which obviously you know kick a three pointer and say, okay, we've got to score three tries now. And I think that 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 is that that could be a quite a significant shift on from Sale. It obviously is going to be about, be about consistency of performance now, uh, but having a good defence enables you to have consistency of points accumulation on the table and I think that you know that's we need to keep that our core and I think Sanderson will you know defence being aggressive being physical he expects that every single week um, the, the executing an attack won't happen every week but it needs to happen more often than it has been doing and that's why it's so so nice to see this this, this time around and I don't know if the stats have you got any stats from this week this weekend, Alex? That maybe you might want to bring out to sort of show that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, perfect, perfect time to jump off. Thank you for that. Um, and I think the main one this week, and I'll go into the stats. And thanks as always to Ben and Opta for these. Um, you'll have seen of uh, those of you who follow us on Twitter that I did a line out one earlier, which was very positive. But there's some other massive positives, and especially from this game. And the main one is metres per carry, which I was bemoaning. And those of you who've listened to our mid-season review, and if you haven't, it's on Patreon now. Um, we were at about two and a half metres per carry this season, which is way down from where we were in past seasons. Um, so on on Sunday, we made 546 metres in the game, which is impressive on its own. Um, and that was at about 4.7 metres per carry 
Um, which, you know, kind of speaks to everything we've been missing this season and how we get our attack firing. Um, and that, the, the other part of that was there's some massive contributions there from people you wouldn't necessarily expect them from. So, you know, Aka van der Merwe with 34 metres off six carries is really destructive. Um, Lou Diago's got 14 metres off 10 carries and that kind of shows he's, you know, you've got the likes of him and Cam Neal with 19 off six carries doing the hard work yard that then opened up the space for Aaron Reid to get 84 meters uh, Byron McGuigan to get 112 Simon Hammersley to get 44 and uh, Connor Doherty as I said got 35 meters which is really impressive performance from inside center um, and you know some of those were you know running into space but there was one where he made about 10 meters with three people around him didn't he and as you say for him to you know really got that bulk and and be destructive in that carry um, and then a couple of other highlights. Sean Luke, who we talked about, 22 metres off 13 carries. And Faf de Klerk, when Faf fires, sail fire, he made 42 metres off six carries. Um, so, you know, that's loads and loads of numbers, but basically pretty much, in fact, every player in our starting back, back line made at least 20 metres, which tells you all you need to know, because if we can do that, you know, we've had times this season where, you know, Sam Hill's making like eight metres off 10 carries and just going nowhere. And part of it's because of the openness of the game and the fact that we had that massive domin- dominance up front. But also, you know, some really good individual performances there and a bit of something different from especially Doherty and Reed and McGuigan, who we haven't seen that much this season, um, really, really contributes to that. So that's really encouraging. And then also in attack, uh, Jean-Luc beating three defenders, Aaron Reid beating six defenders, Byron McGuigan beating six defenders and making four clean breaks. Um, you know, as I say, again, individuals who put in a really, really good performance stats-wise. I'll briefly touch on defence. Uh, we don't need to cover it too much, but a, a really good performance overall, 89% tackle success. Um, Lou Diaga, John O'Ross, Cam Neal, John Luke Dupree all making the most tackles out of the team and really putting in the hard yards. Interestingly, every one of the 23 made at least one tackle this week, which hasn't happened for a while. Usually there's either people who haven't played or you know, a scrum-off comes on and does not very much, um, as backs tend to do, speaking as a former back myself. Um, and I mentioned Conor Doherty, seven out of eight tackles, and Sam James, eight out of nine. So, yeah, a pretty solid defensive partnership there as well, admittedly with the advantage of a completely dominant forward back. Um, but I still think that was pretty uh, pretty useful. Turnover-wise, we conceded 12, Irish conceded 18, which was the main thing that stopped their momentum. Um, When you look at the way Irish gave away the ball, 23% of their possession ended in a turnover, 26% they kicked back to us. Um, You know, that's the majority of your possession, basically, gone in, you know, with us getting the ball back in a pretty advantageous attacking position because of that 26% is kicks in play, so we're catching it on the full and then, and then attacking back at them. So that was really encouraging. And then we kind of, from that, built a really good base. 13% of our possession ended in a try score, and probably another 6% ended in a disallowed try as well. Um, 20% was a penalty won. Again, just from that pressure in attack. Um, and as a result, I think you saw that we just dominated Irish in, in pretty much every area of the game. Uh, scrums, we were 8 out of 9. And special mention, obviously, to James Harper, who we didn't discuss, um, but came on, made his debut, and held up the scrum really well and made a couple of carries and, and, and looked pretty useful. 
um, especially for someone who was playing second row a couple of years ago. Um, and then lineouts, as I mentioned before, really successful this week. Aka 10 out of 11, Curtis 2 out of 3. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of areas there, but I think the key one is that attack. And what we saw is that, you know, you've got Faf firing. He's, you know, he made 45 passes with only two errors. Rob Dupria made 17 passes. Will Cliff made 16 passes when he came on. You know, we, we have that Faf. We're still playing off nine a lot. Um, and for the majority of the time. But what we also had is Conor Doherty at 12, he made seven passes, and then Rob DeBrio, as I say, 17. Um, that really gave us a bit of a different dimension. And I think it's just that, you know, that possession stat of 13% possession and then try score is the key one because it's that execution that has been lacking for a long time for us. And fundamentally what we did on Sunday was execute in those areas and... That you know was kind of a result of that attacking pressure from all those carries and that defensive pressure that when we didn't have the ball we were still operating at ninety percent and absolutely hammering uh, hammering Irish back. So now really positive this week, um, some really good individual performances and probably Conor Doherty stat man of the week for coming in at twelve. I've never played there before, making thirty five metres, seven out of eight tackles, not conceding any turnovers. Really, really solid. And hopefully we get to see him again uh next week when we come up against Wasps. So James, unless you've got any thoughts on the stats and I'll open it up for you now, then uh let's let's talk about Wasp next week. All right, well let's talk about Wasp. So uh thanks for the stats Alex. Yeah and I also noticed that you'd put up some stats on our line out. Um, success up on on Twitter. So whoever be listening to this, if you have a look on uh, our Twitter account, you'll see that Alex has posted some lineout stats, which shows you know very big improvement this year versus last year. Uh, so we're moving in the right direction there, and it's going to need to be on point against Wasps because they've got some real lineout options. Joe Launch will be back from uh, from from injury. Uh, Will Rowlands is a really good, solid line-out option for them. James Gaskell, I think, is injured, so he won't be facing us. Um, but also Brad Shields in the second row, in the back row is a really, really good line-out option for them. So, yeah, we'll have to be on point on that. Um, we lost to Wasps last time out, uh, which is always a, a terrible place to be. As a sale fan, you do not want to be losing to Wasps, uh, especially at home. Um, that was tough, 23-26. Um, they then sort of they were quite hot then you know they're still off the back of last year where they they had such great form uh, that took them into the top four and everyone was talking about Blackett for England and all this kind of thing and how he was such a superior coach to Diamond after after they last played us they went on to beat the uh, Exeter at home thirty four five so they are looking at world beaters at that point go away to Bath and win forty four fifty two in a in an epic. Um, and it looks like they're the All Blacks with Sopawaga, you know, doing sort of offloads behind his back and all this kind of stuff. Um, but since then, the, the wheels have genuinely come off Wasps. Um, and I know there's lots of excuses out there, but even so, you know, they've lost at home to Quinns, home against Saints, away at Leicester, at home against Irish, at home against Gloucester. I mean, they basically lost four in a row at home, Wasps. That's pretty awful. It doesn't matter, you know, what's been going on. Um, Irish, uh, sorry, um, uh, a Bristol away they lost, and they won away at Worcester, uh, which you know everyone's doing at the moment. 
But then, as always with Sale, they've managed to just turn a corner just before they come to play us. <laughs> so they beat the Falcons away at the weekend, which I think was a very big statement, very big win for them. Uh, being the Falcons uh, up in Newcastle, we know is a very, very difficult thing to do, especially when you're low on confidence. I thought they were lucky to, to win the game, actually. But the fact is, is that might just turn the corner for them. And they've got a couple of, you know, big players coming back. Joe Launchbury, Alfie Barbary also came off the bench against Newcastle the weekend. Just looks like a, just an absolute unit. Um, it's TBC on whether he'll end up as a hooker or not. But certainly in the back row, six or eight, he looks like he's going to be a big, a big deal for us. So, again, selection in the back row is going to be really, really difficult, whether it's Jono or Neil or both of them. They're going to have to do a job on Barbary because if he's getting over the gain line, you know, we suddenly wasps are playing, we're, we're in trouble. They've got a big issue at tight head, which, to be honest, they have been struggling with all season with their fitness of their tight heads. Uh, Tamarga Allen, you know, he's been having real problems with his knee and his leg and his calf. Um, and he was still playing at 72 minutes at the weekend and that ended up limping off. So I'd be surprised to see him wheeled out again. They've got um, Aula X Chiefs, who's sort of stopping in and, and covering, but they've got a lot of injuries there. And so I, I think that that is going to be an area of attack. So Gavin Rod, Ross Harrison, that's going to be a, an area to really focus on. One thing that did bring them stability at the weekend was Gopeth at 10. Uh, Umanga and, and uh, uh, Atkinson, you know, they might both be apprentices with England, but actually, you know, they, they've lost form. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to ask, a talented young fly halves to play behind a pack that's competing and it's another when when you're going backwards so Gopeth I think is coming in and just bringing a bit of a steady head uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you know now they're going back to play at home whether he moves back to 12 um, we'll see w- w- with that they're also brought Rob Miller in at 15 Sopwagger I think must be injured because he's not played last couple of times so Rob Miller's been playing at 15 again you know he's now an older Solid player, really good ball player. He's got a big boot on him. Don't forget as well, both kicking at goal from distance and out of hand. So, yeah, well, we might well test him in the air with a kick chase, but I think you know we don't want to kick too deep because he's got a solid kicking game. So we've got to watch out for that. Any back line with Feketoa, uh, Bassett, Kibarigi, you know, you got to you got to be on your metal. Otherwise, he's going to score tries. Um, and we're not going to be able to, you know, unless we have another Irish performance, we won't be able to score enough tries to beat Wasps. So we're going to have to have our defence absolutely back on the game. And as a head-to-head, I, I, last week I chose Curtis Langdon against uh, Augustin Creevy. Uh, Creevy didn't have his best game, and Curtis Langdon didn't start. So that was brilliant. So this week I'm going to say that Curtis Langdon will be starting, and I've got him as a head-to-head with Tommy Taylor. Um, obviously, with a look ahead, to next season when Tommy Taylor arrives back at sale. I think there's going to be a lot of niggle there, a lot of people trying to get up on one. So uh, really looking forward to to watching that. And I think that, you know, obviously the, the big thing there um, for you, um, Alex, is, you know, our own selection. Because, you know, there's a few players put up their hands. What, what do you think of the big selection calls that Alex Anderson's going to have to consider for this week? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And and I think this Irish game, you know, we talked about number of rotations um, and how many is kind of the ideal amount. Um, we made six changes for Irish gets, but a lot of the players who came in have staked a real claim to, to be starting next week. And, you know, it's a very good problem to have, but even at hooker, you know, 
Langdon and Ashford have been superb this season. But Aka came in and had a brilliant game against against Irish. You know, his line-out throwing was was good, and that's always been the weakest area of his game. And then in the loose, he was destructive. I thought he piloted them all really well, um, which we were able to use as a weapon. So that's a big section decision at hooker. Um, you know, you see at loose head, we've kind of got Rod, Rod and Harrison settled into a bit of a rotation there. Um, I don't think Kony Uste hasn't had his best game on uh, on Sunday, so whether Will Griff John comes back in, um, you know, obviously we, we've only got him till the end of the season, but we have got a big game away against Scarlets the week after. So it's interesting to see how he manages it. Um, and I think, you know, Hooker is a big selection call. Back row, it's a big call, but we've got a lot of options there, haven't we? And, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, a sort of, it doesn't change our play style too much. We're probably going to have a, a Dupree. I mean, you know, we'll talk about this and then we'll pick two Dupreeers and John O'Ross and we'll all be you know, putting our head in our hands. But you think you've got John O'Ross, you've got a Neil or a Doug Dale, and then you've got a Dupreeer. Um, and it's just how you sort of combine those those elements. I think in the backs is where the real sort of decisions lie. You know, Faf had a decent game against Irish. Do you bring Rafi Quirk back into the bench? He was away with the England under-20s last weekend, which seems odd given, you know, he got like 30 minutes for the England under-20s when he could have been playing in the Prem, but uh, we'll let that go. Um, at 10 is a massive call. RDP brings a lot in attack, but his kicking was really, really poor on uh, on Sunday. He kicked at 50%, you know, not the end of the world when you win by 28 points or whatever it was, but you know, in a game against Wasps, you need to kick your goals because you can guarantee Gopeth, A, will probably play and B, will kick everything that moves. Um, and then Conor Doherty in the centre. Do you, do you pick him? And, and that's that's a massive call. You know, I think, personally, he probably deserves another start and I would pick him. If it was up to me and if I was picking a 15, I'd have Conor Doherty in at 12. You know, next week I think he's absolutely deserves to keep the jersey. I don't think Sam Hill's done enough as we as we've discussed. But then potentially Rohan is very near to coming back from injury. It was a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks away, a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he? So you know, is he? Does that bring even more complications to that area? And then again on the wings, you know, you've got Marlon Yard, um, who didn't even make the bench. You've got Tom Roebuck, who. You know, I don't think he was on the bench either. I think he was within England in the twenties. But Reed and McGuigan probably have earned, earned a start. And then the one person we haven't talked about much is Simon Hamsley, who probably had one of his best games in the sales shirt on Sunday. So I think what what the Irish game has done is created a selection decision in nearly every position. You know, Lude starts pretty much guaranteed. Probably Willgriff John is your first choice tight head. But other than that, you could make the case for anyone to play anywhere, couldn't you? So if if it was me, and you know, every time we play these selection decision games, I'll always get them wrong, and Sanderson will probably change about ten people. But I wouldn't change the team that much from from the Irish game, with a view to bringing McGinty and potentially someone like Rohan or Sam Hill back in for that Scarlets game the week after. Um, so you know, I think Doherty should absolutely start again. McGuigan, if you want to win the game, he has to start because he's just a try-scoring machine. I said at the end of, I think it was the end of last season maybe, in our stats review, or maybe it was the end of the 2020 stats review, his try-scoring rate is just superb. And it's only going to have got better with that trick. Um, so I'd be bringing, I'd be keeping McGuigan in. 
Reed Yard is a really difficult one, but I think Reed probably deserves another go. I think, you know, he, he brought a lot of energy and especially when you've got Kibariggi on, on a wing, you want someone with a bit of dynamism to counter that. Um, so, yeah, I probably wouldn't change the back line in all honesty. And then in the forwards, I'd probably bring in Will Griff John. As, as you say, I think Hooker is a really difficult one. I'd start Langdon personally because I think that, you know, that Wasp scrum, we need to get on top of, especially the issues they've got a prop. And I don't think Acker's scrummaging, as we all know, is, is great. Um, and then, you know, the beaumont Yaga partnership in the second row I really, really like. I think that gives us loads of line-out options, loads of carrying options, because, you know, Beaumont carries like an eight and Diaga carries like an eight. So really gets us that go forward in the forwards. And then I'm not even going to try and predict the back row, because I'll say that I want Neil in because I thought he had another really good game and we'll end up with two Dupriers. But yeah, it's a really difficult selection decisions, isn't it? And and it's sort of do you stick with what you know or do you twist back to a slightly different side? Um or do you keep the players who are in form? I've no idea and I've almost, you know, given up trying to predict, but I think players who deserve who have earned another star, Doherty certainly, and I think Rob Dupreer actually you know, for enjoyment of rugby to watch, I think he, again, deserves a start. And hopefully he can just work on his kicking. Because if his kicking starts firing, and it has done in the past, it's not like he's, he's always been a dodgy kicker. When he came to us on that loan spell, he was, you know, he was kicking really, really well. Um, so if we can get his kicking sorted, then we will be a pretty fearsome team, I think. And it's it's just healthy competition in every position, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Rob, Rob Dupree, he's... Uh... He's like Reese Priestland used to be, a uh, confidence kicker. So if he kicks his first one, he could nail. He could be 100%. If he misses his first one, he's going to be down 40%, 50%. Um, you can't build a you know a, a team that's going to win the premiership like that. I mean, you know, we had the problem with Danny Cipriani. You know, his kicking stats were like high 40s, and it was just it was just an absolute nightmare for us. Um, so, but I, I would I'd send him back down to Wasps. I think. Um, Give him the opportunity. He's got the back line moving, and they'll have Doherty at, at twelve. Uh, I think you just stick with that unit. It seems to have gelled. Give him another another go. The question is whether Sam James is due a rest. My instinct is he is. He's played. He's played quite a bit. But the other instinct, instinct there is he's not been playing brilliantly. And then he was really good in the second half against Irish. So you give him an opportunity to keep that momentum going and look to maybe give him a rest. Another time, it's not obvious who would play thirteen in this squad now. Um, you know, I think Luke James could do a job at thirteen. Um, definitely, you could obviously move Doherty one out, but I would avoid that considering the performance he put in at the weekend. Uh, Van Rensburg could play at thirteen. Tulane play at thirteen. We don't know where they are in terms of their fitness. The other thing to throw in is Ben Curry, and we know he's back training. When is he going to be fit? Um, I, I don't think I'd feel that comfortable, you know, sending him down to Scarlets to start a game after that long out. You know, it would be nice if we could have him off the bench this week if he's if he's there or thereabouts. If not, I wouldn't bother taking him in the 23 to the Scarlets at all. Um, but let's see where he is. I think that uh, Neil is the type of person you want down at the Scarlets away from home. Uh, so I think that Dugdale comes in this week um, to play against Wasps. I think he'll go quite well as well at the Rico. I think that could like suit him quite nicely. And there was you to play to play Ross again at, at six and, and I'd play Jean-Luc at, at eight. The only way I would not play Jean-Luc at eight, right, is if uh, we're going to give Beaumont a rest. 
I'd play Jean-Luc in the, in the, in the second row and bring Dan Dupuy back in. And I'd start with Harrison because I think Harrison's got a lot of durability. He needs to get time on his legs. He gets better with time. Uh, also, you know, he's had a bit of a rest because he took 10 minutes out, even off the bench this week. So um, I would start him and ask him, even if they do put like Margaret Allen out with one leg, just to just just basically make sure that he's knackered. Because I think that when they bring on their second string, Bevan Rod off the bench, uh, there's no Morozov because he's with Russia. I think he might still be a Russia, I'm not sure. But either of them off the bench could really do a lot of damage. And I'd start with Langdon because Akers had two in a row. Um, so, yeah, I think there's going to be some move. But what what I liked about the rotation this time, even if there was some selection decisions which raised eyebrows, is the fact that there was like five or six changes. That, for me, is a lot more comfortable. Um, and I, I, I won't be surprised if we have five or six more again for the for the Wasps game, and then five or six again for, for, for Scarlets. Uh, but for the Scarlets, you, you pack up, yeah, McGinty has to start down there because, it, it, you know, Every three points is going to count against the Scarlets if we're going to win that game. So McGinty has to start that game. So I, I start with Rob this time. But it's great that we've got all these selection problems. I mean, we we've never really had these kind of decisions uh, at Sale before. Um, it's only when a, new, a youngster suddenly gets given an opportunity, and you're like, oh well, actually, do they now have the jersey? Well, we've got that and genuine competition for places. Otherwise, I mean, you know, John Luke competing with. Dan, for a number eight role, that's only going to get things really tasty on the training paddock and and on the pitch, I think. So um, fingers crossed that we go down to Wasps and get one up on them. Uh, well, get back at them, really, for when they came to us and, and, and won. Um, I mean, the other thing I've noticed this weekend is we've got a bit of a gap open up to fifth, haven't we? Um, which does give us some leeway. Yeah, I think we've... This Wasp game is a massive opportunity, A, to right the wrong of losing at home, isn't it, for, for, for starters. And, you know, there's probably an element of that, them beating us at the AJ Bell this season, that was revenge for us beating them down at the Rico last season. Um, but actually, it's not been too bad a hunting ground, the Rico, because I think it was a couple of seasons ago we won down there as well. So we, we should go there with a lot of confidence. And I do think what we're seeing in in this kind of, since especially in the Sanderson era, is and it might be partly because it's a new DOR and everyone's trying to impress, but everyone who comes into the squad impresses, don't they? There's not many people who've come in and kind of not made a case to to be starting the next week. Um, so that's really encouraging, and as you say, it sort of generates those selection decisions. But hopefully, that means that when we settle into kind of that routine of five or six changes a week, then we will be. Uh, we will be a really, really strong team because we've got that sort of competition in every place. And every person we bring up from the academy, this week it's Doherty and Harper, puts in a pretty storming performance and you think it's, it's you know, here's the future. And, and one person who's done that, actually, who we should just briefly talk about, is Sam Dugdale, because it was announced this week um, and Lewis has put something out on the Patreon, which, uh, if you haven't already, go and have a look. Uh, about Sam Dugdale getting a three-year, I think, is extension to his contract, um, which is just a superb story. And James, I'll hand over to you because you you know academy players better than me. But this is a guy who we were pretty sure was released at one point, um, came back in for that Worcester game, um, and you know 
and and then didn't actually end up playing, but came back into the squad, has performed really well this season and has now got himself to two or three years contract extension. So just wanted to get your thoughts on that. We didn't discuss this last week, did we? I'm having deja vu. No, we didn't. And it's just a great, it's a great human story, isn't it? I mean, you know, you put rugby to one side for a minute and, you know, we know a lot of people have lost their jobs, have been furloughed during the COVID crisis. And I think that he were, you know, he was, he, he was released partly because of cost saving. You know, he was a surprise to be on that list um, that was released because he was a good player at the age groups. Um, you know, he played at six, seven or at eight, which I think will probably be the position he ends up in eventually as an eight as he fills out. Um, but it's just absolutely brilliant because he's come in, he's realised, you know, how ridiculous it is to play professional rugby uh, and to make it at the top level. And he had a second opportunity and he could have gone, oh, no, sod you, we're not going to turn out for you against that Worcester team because you've released me. And instead, he's grasped the opportunity with both hands and you can't, you know, he's, he, he could become a very important squad player for us. Very important because we're going to have lots of people away potentially with South Africa um, next year. You know, if, if, if the Dupreeers are playing well, you know, they're going to be with South Africa. So is Lude, all the rest of it. And suddenly we're looking a bit short. Well, what we found with Neil and with Doug Dale, these people who can perform at premiership level. Um, I mean, Neil's obviously proven it over over 100 games, but and Doug Dale's really starting out on his journey. But you understand that understand the point. So massive benefit to him. And of course, we hadn't mentioned James Harper, even though we'd mentioned him last week in our in our in our special on Patreon um, for the mid year review, which was weirdly prominent, you know, prescient really. Um, and I thought he came on and and did a really good job. I mean. He looks almost identical to James Phillips in in body shape and size, um, and he had like two two or three scrums held up his held up his end, which for a twenty year old tight head, I'm telling you, is not an easy thing to do, even against a team who's beaten. Um, and he had a couple of really good carries. I mean, just like James Phillips, who's breathing out of his ass after five minutes. But you know, you can imagine the adrenaline going through his body. I mean, he was playing for you know, Coventry the week before, you know, he probably was not expecting this to happen. And I think he showed enough to say, this guy can make it. This guy can make it and he can make it a lot sooner than we thought. And that could be very important information for Alex Anderson, presuming that he's in the talent market for a tight head to replace Will Griff John. So I think that's a really important factor to know. Right, okay, we're going to do uh, uh, predictions then, Alex, what are we, uh, what, are we, what are you going to go for? Well, I was nervous last week, um, and I think I predicted that we'd lose from memory. So this week, high on confidence, I'm going to predict that we win and, and hope I'm not just predicting last week's result um, like I did last time. Now, I, I, I think we showed a lot against Irish, and I think it was a bit of a turning point in our season, and hopefully we can kick on, and we're against the Wasps side who are in a little bit of trouble. And I think, honestly, we, we should beat them. This is a game we 100% should be expecting to win. Um, when you look at our next, you know, we've got eight games left in the season. We've still got to play Bristol, Exeter and Quinns are in the top three. So we've got to win pretty much the rest of them if we want to stay up there. Um, so, and I think we will. I, I, I think we've got a really good feeling around the squad after that victory and it probably proved a few people wrong in terms of our attack as well. Um, so I'm going to say that Sale will nick a win. Um, I still think it'll be really tough away from home, 
you know, a Ross side with a lot of experience in the likes of Gotham and Shields and, and Miller, people like that, and Tommy Taylor. Um, but I will say Sale to win 22 points to 15. Um, I don't think we're going to get another try bonus point. I'm not that greedy, but I uh, I feel like it should be a win. And uh, hopefully it is. What about you, James? Well, I think we might get a try bonus point, but we aren't going to win. Uh, I, I think we are going to rock up thinking with the All Blacks. Uh, and we might score a few tries, especially if Rob Dupre plays at 10 and doesn't kick his goals. Uh, but I think the Wasps probably may be turning a corner now. Um, and I think they're just waiting to score lots of points and sort of burst out of their their mini slump, especially with Launchbury and Barbary back. I think it's going to be really, really tough. So I'm going to say Wasps 34, Sale 25. Superb. Well, listeners, on that note, thanks very much for joining us in the Shark Tank. Um, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Go and check us out on Patreon if you haven't already. Uh, follow us on Twitter, but I'm presuming most people do that. And tune in next week to find out which one of me and James is right. Um, yeah, so that's all from me. Anything else from you, James? No, that's all from me as well. And uh, thanks again to all of our listeners. We really do appreciate you. Uh, and also you know, your interactions on Twitter, especially during the game. You know, it's really interesting to watch. You know, the wheels are coming off one minute. We're heroes the next. And it's great to know that we're not the only sale fans who go on that roller coaster. 